All right, welcome into the Three Guys Talking Ball podcast. It's just two guys edition today. It's Wolverine and Hawkeye, and we'll get into the nicknames here in a little bit. But recording this Wednesday, we wanted to recording this a little bit later because we wanted to do a recap of Game Five of the NBA Finals. Uh, Stanley Cup is starting Wednesday night, so Game One will be finished by the time this is released. And as we record this, the Avs are already up two nothing with about ten minutes into the game. The U.S. Open has been a uh, hot topic this week with the new Live Tour starting. And then Deshaun Watson, just keep, things keep get going from bad to worse for him. But before we get into any of that, we're going to recap our weekend in the cities. Ethan's not able to join us today. He'll be back next week. So it's just Grant and I. And Grant, what a weekend, man. That was fun. It, we jammed a lot in for a short period of time, but it, it was a memorable one. Oh, for sure. And, you know, that that's what you got to do when you, you know, you get, you know, two full days, a half day, and then you had to leave on, you know, Sunday morning to get back home. But, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. I just want to, you know, we hit the ground running. As soon as we picked you up, we got, got caught in a little Minneapolis uh, three o'clock rush hour traffic. Um, but now that everyone's back for the most part in the office, you know, we'd expect nothing else. But like we said, came back here, got, you know, dropped your stuff off, got ready, went right down to Cowboy Jackson, saw a very entertaining, excellent baseball game on a Thursday night. You know, sure, it wasn't the outcome we wanted, but uh, to start that game off with a bang, three straight home runs by the Twins. And I would like to say for Ethan, he called that. He called two of those home runs. He yeah. said, arise, Buxton, we're going to go yard. And uh, about five pitches into the game, he was right. And then, you know, Correa comes up and, you know, his, Ethan knew right away, both you and I were like, mm, hopefully it had enough air on it, but it, it got out of there. And, um, you know, sure the twins fell up short that night, but it was just, it was fun to see the long ball from, from both teams. You know, Larnick hit another one for the twins. Uh, Gallo went deep twice for the Yankees. Um, just, you know, regular season games, like you said, didn't go the way we wanted to, but also it was just, it was fun to see target field full on a Thursday night. People had to work the next day. They're excited about this baseball team. The twins again, won another series today, uh, beating Seattle, you know, five, five, zero. So then, you know, we started weekend standing against the diamondbacks. Um, you know, that was fun. And then, uh, the golf, the golf Friday was, I wouldn't have had it any other way you know a 7 30 tea time you know we get out we're playing right away right before the sun the sun really comes up you know we're paired with two other nice dudes yeah uh, you know and um you know we were able to play fast play at a good pace and uh you know talk about just two ways to start a weekend off where it couldn't get much better than that yeah well and we'll go back to the twins game and it was it yeah like you said it wasn't the result we wanted but like I was telling Yankee fans as we were walking out of Target Field, they can have this series because we're getting them in the playoffs. It's going to happen. It has to happen. It's going to happen. I'm going to speak it into existence that it will happen. And I can hear the Yankee fans saying, oh, well, your record, it doesn't say so. Well, it's got to happen at once, happen at some point. You know, all good things must come to an end. Exactly. And this 13-game playoff streak that the Yankees are on against us will eventually end. And like I said, we're, I'm, we're feeling cocky about this year. We are the mirror of positivity we on are. this podcast here. And, you know, the Twins are going in the right direction. Yes. And 
you know, there something ha- it, it, it eventually at some point things are gonna it's gonna happen because you know no team ever came back from an 0-3 deficit in the playoffs. Red Sox did that before mm-hmm. Roger Bannister. There was nobody before Roger Bannister who ran a sub four minute mile. After he did that, there was like 37 in within like a couple of years who did it. Now it's it's common like the top world record holders and top runners in the world, they consistently are under four minutes in the mile. So mm-hmm. it's going to happen. Why not this team? Like Kurt Schilling said in the documentary, the uh, four days in October, you know, I keep asking myself this question that I cannot come up with the answer with. Why not us? Why not, why not us? Why not this team? They go went out and spent money for once Could go, go get Correa. They made a bunch of trades that improved their pitching which they still need to do. They're not out of the woods yet on that. They need to they need to get another starter. They need to booster up that bullpen. But this offense has the ability to do it. It's just we can get that consistent pitching. The offense and the offense to actually show up in the playoffs. This team, this is a dangerous team. Oh yeah, with without question. And you know, like you said, the part that I like the most um, you know, besides, of course, the game we go to, they're out there hitting four home runs as a team. But this year, they're winning baseball games the way you need to win in October. Productive outs, moving runners over, not relying on the long ball. You know, that Bomba squad team in 2019, was it fun? Was it entertaining? Absolutely. Do chicks dig the long ball? Damn straight. Do I love seeing a baseball go 450 feet? Yes. But in October, when the pitching matters and you face better it's, it's pitching. A, your face better pitching if the weather is colder outside we're in a northern climate here that ball is not going to go as far when the pitcher's jamming on the inside it's going to hurt your wrists a little more you need to play you need to play that small ball and move runners over properly win with defense and pitching and if you can get a home run or two to help you out great but you know what we're not the Atlanta Braves from last year we don't we don't we don't have an Eddie Rosario and Freddie Freeman and um we had an Eddie Rosario we again another <laughs> guy who left Minnesota, who uh, who's thriving elsewhere, and uh, in another sport that uh, that's the case right now too. But uh, we'll we'll get to that a little later. And then you know, um, but again, this team they're playing the right way. And like Ethan said last week, and he'll say it again, we need to, yes, we need to get more pitching. But once we can get our top three starters back healthy, yep. And you know, look what Chris Archer has done these last three starts. It's it's this is the. You know, he was a hit or miss free agent signing this year. Um, right now, if he can continue this pace up, it's looking like a hit. And before you know it, we're four guys deep. And if we need to do a bullpen game, you know, we're feeling confident about that. Yeah, exactly. And, and they, because they've expanded the rosters because of the shortened spring training. So I, I think it's smart that the Twins are going to keep that six starter throughout because just because of the durability issues within the rotation keeping that six, keeping those arms fresh for when it matters in October. Yep, exactly. Because like you said, you know, look, pitching, that's going to win you. That's going to win you World Series titles. Look at what the Nationals did in 2019. Look, look what Houston didn't do in 2019. They should have thrown out Garrett Cole, kind of just like what San Francisco did in 14 with Bumgarner. Yep. If you have a horse, if you have an ace to be a world champion, you throw him out there. And if the twins can get another guy where we feel confident with that, where, you know, if he gives us six good innings in a game five type 
and then let's hypothetically speaking say we get to an LCS. Um, we're going to talk about the LCS in the game, seven game series before World Series. Um, but if, if that's the case and we have an ace to give us six, seven good innings in game five, if I need 12 to 10 outs in game seven, I'm bringing that guy in. I'm going out and I'm getting a starter and I'm getting that dude like what Strasburg did, like what Bumgarner did, and why Dusty Baker, I think, has yet to win a World Series as a manager because he's afraid to go make that play when you have the arm. Well, and, and Dusty was wasn't the manager when in 19. That was still A.J. Hinch. And that's right. Yep, that's right. I, but, forgot, I forgot. But over in with, without a doubt in my mind, though, if after they pull Grinky and they throw Jarrett Colin, Jarrett Cole is still pitching for the Astros, and the Astros have another World Series banner hanging in Minute Maid Park. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, they're, they're two and three years. And then, you know, getting to that third one last year in five years, they're, you know, potential for a modern day baseball dynasty. Um, yep. But you know, they were scared to win and AJ Hinch didn't want to win. And now he's got to suffer because he's got a coach in Detroit, <laughs> um, managing Detroit, but um, he's got to throw after, out Roger Clemens son who can throw, <laughs> throw a 40, 40 mile an hour uh, heater. And just got cranked today, I saw. Mm-hmm. But, um, and then also, I just kind of, again, like we said, I uh, back to, you know, the weekend here with that golf setting deal. And I, I just want to comment on this right away. It was so funny because, like I said, we got paired up with two locals. Yep. Um, I believe, was it the, um, one of the guys, name was Troy. Was he the Lakeville South um, Varsity High School hockey coach or hockey assistant? Uh, Tim. But, Tim, yeah, I think I, you. I, I want to say he said he was the head coach. So it was one kind of the of Lakeville cool schools. Year. I can't remember which one, but I, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it was Lakeville South. But it was funny because um, you know when we're leaving the clubhouse, the guy the, the guy at the desk says, "Oh yeah, you're paired up with Tim Tim and Gunner, you know, two locals." And then I I see um, you know what has to be a 14 year old kid, you know, warming up. He's got the Titleist hat on, the polo, the gloves, the golf shoes, and I look at Dylan and I go. Dude, are, are you ready to get your ass kicked by a 14-year-old today? <laughs> and, yep, you know, sure shit. You know, the first tee box, Tim went a little right. I think Dylan joined him a little right. I, I hit a pretty good shot, but this kid just comes up and just ropes one right yep. down the middle. And we're just like, oh, it's on. This 14-year-old <laughs> southpaw, we had a lefty on our hands. Yep. Just, you know, absolutely took our lunch. But he took his dad's lunch, too. And um, him and his dad, they're having a little competition. The kid won on the front on the front nine by a stroke and then on the back nine it was over about 12 because his dad doubled and tripled bogey the first two and he just couldn't climb back from that but it was kind of funny i just look at dylan and i'm like yep there's this 14 year old here who's going to take our lunch money and you know sure shit he he won the round between all four of us but um so that was kind of that was kind of funny and something where it's just like i can see this kid whooping our ass and yep. he sure did oh yeah yeah anytime there's a young kid there it's middle of the day it's Oh yeah, this this kid means business, and it's not the first time I've had that happen. I down in Arizona, the first time it was my dad and I, and another, uh, and another guy. It was just the kid. His dad was right. Was basically his caddy. He was driving the cart, telling him what to hit, and just go up there, just smoke it. And then there was me who was putting more balls in the water than the men's swimming team, and <laughs> <laughs> it was. And, and and the good thing was is he kicked kick kicked my dad's ass and our uh the other guy we were golfing with too but he only did nine because he had something going on so after that it was like all right well feeling a little better about ourselves but yeah that kid was 
It was good. It was a beautiful course too. The greens were fast. I proudest moment of my round was probably the 40 foot putt. I sunk on two to save, uh, save par. And then other than that, it was, I'll just blame it on Ethan's clubs and he's not here to defend himself. So it's an easy target, but But, I'll just blame it on his clubs because I don't get to use them much. If I, if I, uh, if I get mine, I I'm going like, maybe I I shot a 99, maybe I shoot 98. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 98, 97 with your own clubs, but no, to your point, it's, it's, it's a beautiful course. And those, those greens, you know, they were, they're tricky because, you know, let's, let's not, they're nowhere near any, you know, PGA greens with the Hills and the angles you're going to have. Not what the U S open is going to have tomorrow. Those guys. That's just insane. That's, that's just not fair. The shit they have to deal with. It's like, but you know what? That's why these guys are getting paid to paid a lot of money to do what they do. But you know, that, that course, it was beautiful. It was great. And like I was telling you, it kind of has a Northern Minnesota feel to it. And, you know, I've always been kind of, you know, and, you know, an early bird, you know, wake up right away, kind of start the day off. There was something just peaceful and calming about starting around right at seven 30, you know, the sun isn't up yet. There's still a little sense of that morning dew. And um, you kind of get to see the day, you know, the day break in front of you. And then when the sun came out, it was just a gorgeous day. So that's something I wish I could do, you know, more often, um, you know, but hey, that's, that's why uh, we work hard. One day we'll retire. Yeah, and then maybe right. we get, we, we'll be able to get a membership with the boys and, uh, you know, play four or five days a week at, you know, 730, where we just walk in and like, hey, Grant, how's it going? Oh, doing good, Tim, you. All right, gotcha. Gotcha in at 730. We'll, you know. Charles, we'll let you go off there at the first tee. Yeah, no, I, that's one of my, I think that's probably my favorite time of the day to go outside of the waking up early part, just because it is calm. You're not as rushed. You know, you don't really have to worry about stopping and starting and playing like while you're playing. I like, I like when I start T1, I like going from, from hole one to 18. I don't like waiting if I don't have to. I just like playing. It keeps me in the flow of the game. I, I don't stiffen up. I say all this as my game is like, I I'm just this great golfer, which I'm not, I'm far from it, but, but I, I don't, I don't like waiting. Cause it just, it just seems like it just carries on and then you have more time to think and then your game just goes to hell. So. Well, yeah. And, and like I was telling you, like I was telling you, Adele, that that's the hard part is for me, it's like sometimes why I in a round, I might even just, not take score or just stop taking score because golf's already such a hard game. I mean, for the professionals and for the people who are really good at it. And then, you know, let alone, you know, just your average citizens like us who maybe get out once, twice a week. If you just look down at your scorecard and if you see a six, a six, a seven, and then there's a five on there, but that's a par three, you get down on yourself and you don't feel good. And you're like, I suck what am I doing? You're terrible at this. And then you don't want to be there. And then it just, you know, goes pear shaped from there. So it's more or less, I'm just going to try to go out. We're going to try to hit the ball straight. We're going to try to hit the ball far. And, you know, there's going to be a couple holes where, you know, damn it, we look like professionals out there. I mean, you know, for myself, I had a nice little stretch there to the end of the front nine, according to the scorecard, the hardest hole in the course, you know, I parred that and looked like a pro. Um, and you'll hit some nice shots after that, but just, Try not to, and that's the hard part about this game. It's you, it's so mentally tough. Um, don't don't psych yourself out and just go out and have a good, good time, enjoy the scenery with the boys. 
you see though that's that's where you get other competitive people like me to play against and when your game starts going to shit you start shit talking the other guy getting their head a little bit and that's when they start playing bad and then you realize that you know you keep running your mouth you start to play a little better you get a little confident and then their game they're in a bad mood and you just not i mean yeah you just kick them when they're down and just because at some point it's all going to come back and go from there but that's just me and grant's a way better person than i am so we'll we'll move on to the rest of the night uh the rest of friday where we we got to be treated to a full-on feast at fogo de chow and that was this is grant and ethan's first time at fogo grant got a free meal there because he won the bracket boo and it was I kept telling Grant and Ethan they were Grant was fully sold on it. Ethan, I don't know if he was completely sold on it, but after the after uh, we got that first tray, he was he he knew I wasn't messing around when I said this is the best place you will ever eat in your life. He he was all in. Um, it just it kind of got started right away because not to sound you know you think you're going to an all you can eat Brazilian steakhouse, you think oh we're just going to chow down on some, on some protein and just eat a bunch of meat all night, but. <laughs> That, that salad bar they had just set the tone right away. Yep. Went up, you know, had some, I had, you know, some salad. Um, no. That smoked uh, salmon was delicious. The, smoke, the smoked salmon, some chicken Caesar salad, um, you know, the roasted potatoes they brought to you. The, the roasted mashed cauliflower. Potatoes, I, I, don't, I don't think I had any, no. any of the cauliflower, but I had some, like some fire roasted corn. That was, and then, you know, with the rice, the beans and the peppers on top, it was a nice opening plate. And then just like you said, what they just, they walk around, uh, you know, with their skewer and they're like, hmm, top sirloin. Oh yeah, sure. I'll take some, you know, filet mignon. Oh yeah. You know, I'll take some, Oh, you know, we got a strip steak here. You want some? Yeah. You know, uh, you know, bone in ribeye. Yeah. I'll take this and before you know it. You have 12 different cuts on your plate and they're all, <laughs> they're all small servings, but you just, you can't get enough of them. No. And, you just, you want to keep coming back for more and keep coming back for more. And I will say the one thing I wasn't a fan of that I, I never had before. And I was on the fence was the lamb. Okay. It was, it was a little too, like, it almost had a rubbery texture to me. Which, I just, I, which, which lamb, the lamb chop or the leg of lamb. So there's the leg of lamb, the lamb okay, chop. Was, yeah. Was okay. Just a small. Yeah. But you I don't just, get a I, lot of meat on it. And it wasn't a big downside one. of it wasn't a big lamb guy, but everything else was just absolutely fantastic. And it was crazy as the night started, you know, then they had, you know, Parmesan crusted, um, you know, pork. And then, uh, you know, the chicken drumstick came out, which I felt was about 500 degrees. <laughs> it was unbelievably hot. It was. And, but the, you're at this Brazilian steakhouse, all you can eat. And I look at Ethan and I say, dude, you know, what's crazy. The best thing I've had so far may have, may have been this Italian sausage. <laughs> and it was, it, it's delicious. It was, it was, so it was good. delicious. The only thing that would have made it better was if what had, you know, that like spicy ground mustard, uh, which oh, maybe yeah. they it just screwed the pooch and didn't pick it up, but it was fantastic. You know, I definitely feel like I got our, my money's worth, which your money, which was your money. Yeah. So um, just yeah. know that your return on the investment for Grant's portion of your meal uh, he definitely appreciated that. I will say the one thing that really pissed me off and caught me off guard was, is, you know, these waiters, they come to the table and they're like, you know, Hey, can I get you guys any, you know, spring water or sparkling water? 
And, you know, we look around and we're like, oh, yeah, we'll take a, you know, we'll take some spring water because, you know, we just got a drink and you're just kind of hanging out there. And then the bill comes and you see they charge us seven fifty for a glass <laughs> of water. And I'm just like, this is ridiculous. I mean, this is how yeah. this place profit charging people $15 for water. I mean, come, come on, guys. And, you know, they control the portion size. So you can't go up and get a steak and then not eat it. So it's like, God, they're just they're taking you. They're taking it they're taking you by the balls and taking you for everything it's worth. But no, it was fantastic. Definitely would want to go again. And it was easy to get to. You got a reservation, no problem. So I'm, I'm definitely going like back three times. Well, yeah. And then we walk in and you're like, yeah, a reservation at six forty five for Dylan. Oh, we don't have it on the books. And my <laughs> heart sank for about a half a second. I was like, are you kidding me? it doesn't get changed or it's going to be at eight and they're not going to let us wait around. We're going to have to waste a bunch of time downtown and all this other stuff. And she was like, Oh no, I'm just messing with you. Come with me. Yeah. Well, and, and back to the, uh, the charging for water and that type of stuff, but it, it's one of them places you don't eat that very often. So, you know, it's okay to splurge a little, but I didn't have any issue with it. I don't get to see you guys a whole lot. So you guys are worth my money. Well, there, there we go. And you know, at the end of the day, it's like $7 is, isn't a whole, it's not going to break the bank. It's, it's not going to no. kill us, but more or less just a surprise. Like, Oh yeah. shit. I did, did not see this coming. <laughs> no, but yeah, it was, it was incredible. Can't wait to go back. And what was your favorite, favorite uh, meal of the, of Fogo? What was your favorite plate they had? They served. Ooh. You know, it's, it's 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 a tie actually it's probably between the fillet they had which um was just well done you could you know cut through it like butter but i tell you what that the way they made that top sirloin yep oh it was, it was just delicious there was you it was you know you know very meaty um a lot a lot of good flavor to it you know there was a, t- a little bit of fat on the outside but it was just a, it was great flavor that was very tender that that top sirloin just you know blew my, blew my brains away with how how good that was and like i've told you you know i don't i don't eat much red meat anymore cuz the price has gotten through the roof but if i do i'm usually going to get a prime graded top sirloin and you know have have about 20 ounces of steak at yeah. that one time that that top sirloin was just fantastic yeah i think that would be mine too but we'll move on to well yeah so after that we went home i think we were in a food coma until about probably 10 o'clock the next day we'll move on to saturday where grant and i started a started the day off we just kind of hung out we didn't really have a whole lot planned we just kind of slept in woke up hung out hung out at the house we got to watch the uh, the uh, american time timeless american classic happy gilmore then we went and ate and then grant and i we went and saw top gun maverick and as you can see here, if you're watching the YouTube portion, you should also subscribe while you're there. But you can see that our names are what our names would be if we were fighter pilots and Top Guns. Wolverine for me, Hawkeye for Grant. And actually, I should change it to Big Ten champion Wolverine because Michigan did win the Big Ten championship there. Facts are facts. I can't figure that. Do what you want to do. But it, it would be an understatement to say that Top Gun Maverick took our breath away. 
Absolutely. And I see what, I see what you did there. <laughs> that was, that was delicious. Um, but that, that was, that, that movie was great. I mean, everyone I talked to said it was probably the best movie they've seen in a couple of years. It was like Fogo. They, they didn't, um, they, they couldn't have undersold it. They couldn't have undersold it. And I was a little worried. I'm not going to lie. I was like, is it going to be as good? Are people going to hype this up to be something that it can't be? And it delivered, it delivered on every, every single aspect of movie you know, could have had, they, they tied in so much to the original, but then they also brought some new aspects from the original to, to the new movie. And uh, I, you know, I honestly wouldn't be upset if I went and saw it again in theaters or whenever it comes out in HBO max, watching that time and time again. And who knows with how much success this had in the box office, that this might be one of those rare movies that still comes out on DVD. I doubt it. Um, like I said, we're just with everything but on HBO Max. But I, I tell you what, man, I, I cannot wait to see this movie again. It was it was so well done. Um, you know, with Tom Cruise, you bring it back. Um, you know, Val Kilmer, and then just again the tie-ins to the original movie, blended in with this new stuff. It it was perfect. It was well done, and uh, I really liked the first Top Gun, but this movie was so much better than the other ones. And it's, it's one of the rare ones where the sequel is better than the first. Yeah. And, and they, like you said, they did such a good job of tying the first one in to the mm-hmm. second, to this one, and then still bringing in new stuff. I think the enhanced special effects, the enhanced graphics and all the new stuff that Hollywood has come up with from 30, 36 years, 26. 26 years ago was it was it was 86 or 86 yeah 30s geez yeah 30s oh man yeah from 36 years ago it's crazy and then the opening and we're, we're not going to spoil the movie if you haven't seen it yet go see it you won't be disappointed but and then my one of the best parts about it too was is they the way they were still able to get get in some good laughs in intense parts of the scenes where Yes, it, it, was, it was some intense parts. And then there was some comic relief where you just kind of start laughing. <laughs> I, I like that part of it, too, just to kind of break the tension. <laughs> and I think I don't know. But when the movie finished and the credits started rolling, Grant and I just looked at each other like our eyes were just big. Our jaws were on the floor. And there, there were part, there was a part there, too, where it was almost you, you almost get I didn't cry. Grant did but you get a little bit teary eyed just because you get that little bit of a flashback from the first one and just that little sentimental moment that happens. Well, yeah. And, and I was going to say that I really liked throughout the first one, they kept, I'm not going to name any characters, but they kept a rivalry throughout the movie. And then, you know, towards the ending you had um, just like in the first one, you know, late movie, someone come off that battleship and, you know, help you know save the day and then to you know recreate a handshake towards the end just like in that first one it was you know fantastic and then when you know when maverick when or tom was in his locker um and looking at his billboards to see that and how you know it comes full circle yeah it, it just really it really hit home and you know like i i think i told you this i don't know if i said this on the podcast here but before this movie i think tom cruise rejected 11 top gun like scripts 11 or 12 yeah 11 and because he wanted it done the right way and uh this 12th one was done the right way and uh i really hope wait 
it was worth the wait. And I really hope they don't make a third one because to end the way this ended would be just perfect. Yeah. You know, right. Feel like if you, if you do, if they do another one, it would almost end like end up like a Godfather three, something like that, which was was terrible. They missed it. And you really ruined the legacy of two, the Godfather one and two were two great movies. It's another series that, that the sequel was almost better than the first. I think it was. I I think I I think so too. Godfather one, but unpopular opinion here. I I I like Goodfellas more than any of the Godfathers, but that's a topic. That's a discussion for a different day. (laughs) Um, but yeah, Goodfellas over Godfather. You heard it here. You heard it from me, folks. Um, but yeah, that Top Gun was just was, and um, um, you know, and just a really good cast. And and these are these you know. Miles Teller, John Hamm, you know, Tom Cruise and everyone else, they, they knocked it out of the ballpark. Yeah, they did. Like I said, if you haven't seen it yet, go check it out. Father's Day is Sunday. It's a good, good way to spend time with your dad. If you're not, so, if you're not, yeah, go to Top Gun. Yeah. Or take your dad with it to Top Gun with, with you. So yep. that there, there you go. We just solved a, uh, solved your father's day dilemmas. If you don't have plans yet, or if you haven't gotten them, anything, go take them to Top Gun, spend the money. It's worth it. And then after that, we went to us bank stadium and we watched probably the greatest concert I've ever been to Eric church, Morgan Wallen, 70,000 people at us bank stadium where, and it was a place where the two artists, did not have to sing because the entire crowd was singing the songs for them. And you know, Dylan, Alec and I, we were talking about this afterwards or maybe the next day. That was what made that concert so great. When Morgan wanted to maybe take a moment and look at the crowd and see how everyone was here for him. Or if Eric wanted to do that too, that the, there a beat was not missed because the whole crowd was singing along and you could, these fans were there for them. And I just loved how throughout the whole time, especially during Eric's performance, you know, when he got done with maybe two or three songs in a row and he wanted to take a deep breath, he just stopped and he just looked at the crowd and he appreciated everyone being there for him. Um, Cause I think, I think if I'm not mistaken, this is the first time Eric's doing the stadium tour and for those, for all these people to show up and support him like that. And he just, you know, um took it all in it it was it was fantastic to see and again both of these guys they both didn't miss i mean i you know i love them both and i'm gonna be honest dude i was still buzzing all through all the way all the way through sunday after this (laughs) concert with how great it was i was on such a high when i took you back to the airport when i dropped you off on my way to go to the gym it was i was listening to all morgan and then when I got to the gym to start my workout, it was all church. And then about halfway through my workout, it was a combination of both. It took me till about Tuesday to listen to, I think, another artist other than those two because <laughs> they, were, they were so great. And I loved every single minute of it. And what I love most about these guys' songs is they tell such a story that we can relate to. And the way they present it, it's like poetry. Um, yep. You know, you put, yourself, you put yourself in these guys' shoots, or should I say boots, and, you know, when I listen to Morgan talk, I feel like I, I feel like I'm in Eastern Tennessee, you know, sitting here rooting for the Vols, wearing my Red Wings to work, you know, work, working hard, blue collar guy. And then, you know, Church just kind of 
you know, growing up in Carolina there, just, you know, being a straggler going all over the place, you know, kind of, you know, just, I feel like I'm with these guys when they're singing. And that, that's the best part about it. It's just, it's poetry. Listen to yeah. them sing. Yeah. Like you said, it's relatable. Their songs are relatable. The words they play, you know, his, uh, one, one of my favorite Eric Church songs is probably is the, the outsiders. And in the open, open just, with that. just, just the blue collar, the, the bring your lunch pail, the work type, because that's how those guys are. That's how they came up. That's how most of them yeah. are. And they haven't forgotten those roots of how Correct. they came up. They remember playing in those dive bars. They remember playing in front of three people. They Eric Church definitely remembers coming to Hedinger for the Hedinger County Fair when he was first starting up, which is about an hour and a half south of where of Dickinson, where I live. And you could tell these guys just loved playing the music. Eric Church played for three and a half hours, played 26 songs. Morgan Wallen played for probably an hour and a half. He probably played another 20 or so. He was Morgan was a little closer to about like an hour, hour 45. Oh, wow. Okay. No, no, hold on. Shoot. Seven. No, about, about an hour and a half. Excuse me. About an hour and a half. Okay. He was about yeah. 30. To but, but yeah, to, you know, to your point is just, they both, they just love what they do. And the crowd brought the energy throughout the whole night. And you know, that, that place was buzzing. That place was buzzing for four and a half hours. And it was, <laughs> it was just fantastic. And I can't, I can't wait for these guys to come back to Minneapolis, St. Paul again. Cause after, yep. after what the crowd did for them, they'll be back. And you can guarantee my ass is going to be on that seat. Oh yeah. I, I might have to make a special trip out there again. So plan, plan accordingly. And, you know, and, and I think the other thing too is Grant, as I think they could have played, they, they probably would have played another hour, hour, each of them, if they, if they could or want if could because it they they were that good the crowd was in it the entire time oh absolutely and i would have sat and listened to them the whole way if they wanted to play until my flight left i would have sat there and i would have listened to it i'm 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 i mean i'm i'm right there with you i i actually this is a new theory here is i think they only stopped playing is because they ran out of beer to sell dude you're probably actually not wrong (laughs) (laughs) it's crazy but you know u.s bank stadium I think I saw the actual actual attendance because, you know, they cut out from, you know, like the 20 yard line back on one of the end zones and you can't get around. So that takes out a lot of seats. It was, you know, 51,007 U.S. Bank Stadium said the next day on Facebook, but still not an empty seat in the house. No. And when everyone was going to get beer and seltzers and everything, people weren't coming back with two. They were coming back with four. (laughs) Each each person had four. So they they ran out. They like you said, they ran out of beer. And I think they were worried that, oh, shit, we ran out of beer pretty fast. These people are pretty tuned up. If we play for another, you know, another hour, this is going to be real bad. And lives are going to be put in jeopardy. (laughs) (laughs) I think U.S. Bank Stadium said, you know, we don't want a potential lawsuit on our hand. And we got to work with Minneapolis PD for this football season coming up. So we're going to end this thing right around midnight. Like you said, if they could have both of these dudes, they could have played for the next um, you know, eight hours and, and I would have been fine. And, you know, I'm not going to say, but just again, some of the lyrics that these guys say, they're just, they're poetry and you can put yourselves in there and you, you just, you feel like you're in that situation where if you're with a significant other and people, you know, they don't trust you, they don't believe you, they don't like you, but you're going through this ride of life together. You can. And, you know, if you're in Morgan's situation where, 
you know, you're stuck, you know, and you're still single and you're going through heartbreak, you can put yourself in those situations too. Cause we've all been there Mm -hmm. and we'll continue to be in situations like that. And it's just, Oh, it was just, like you said, I'm still buzzing, buzzing off that. Not, not so much anymore, but all day Sunday and Monday, I just, I couldn't get over how great that concert was. Well, and like you said, you were going alternating between Morgan Wall and Eric church. And I, I, I added a third one to it was, it was those two. And then I was also going through the uh, top gun soundtrack so all three in the weekend hey and you know dude i wouldn't be lying when i said if, if i'm when i'm at the gym and i need a nice workout when danger zone comes on i'm <laughs> fucking amped I'm, I'm ready to roll <laughs> i mean i'm sitting back and i'm like you know what i'm an inclined dumb on my inclined bench press today i'm gonna put two plates on a side and you know what i repped repped it out by six so i'm feeling good so yeah it all around the music this weekend was fantastic, and I'm still buzzing off that on on today, Wednesday. Oh, absolutely! It's it was it was a great weekend. Hopefully, we'll get to do it again soon. But mm-hmm. we'll move over to the NBA Finals, and when this episode drops, it will be Game Six in Boston tomorrow night, and the Warriors have a chance to close it out. And Game Five, Game Four, and Game Five were very similar where both the Boston just cannot get out of their own way. They, they, they're that classic, almost procrastinator, almost just, you know, they, they, they prefer to have those deadlines. They're those, they're basically like Grant, what Grant and I were in colleges. We would, we had a paper due at 1159. We would be typing it and submitting it at 1159. And they, mm-hmm. they, they seem to have their backs against the wall. It's happened. It happened in the Milwaukee series where they had a chance to close it out at home or no in Boston. They laid an egg, win it in game seven conference finals. They had a chance to close yeah. it out in, in Boston and in, in, in Milwaukee, the Milwaukee series, they could have closed them out in. Oh no, yeah. They, they lost in game five at home. They won in Milwaukee on Friday and then won game seven Sunday yep. at the garden. Yep. yep. That's how it was. Yep. And then, yeah, to your point, the Heat, you're up 3-2. You're down. You're up 3-2. You're going to close these clowns out at home, and you let a small forward from the Miami Heat put up 45-plus points in the TD Garden. Hmm, I think we've seen that before. Um, and then, you know, you finish them out there in Game 7. Um, so yes, yeah, so the Celtics team, it's, it's a weird team. And I think, I think earlier we were saying if the Celtics were to win, and I said Celtics in six, that's not going to happen. So I'll, I'm allowed to change it to Celtics in seven because they're still alive. They're not dead yet, and I'm still yep. going to roll with it. The biggest thing I think the Celtics need to do is they just need to shut up and stop whining about the refs because they've been bad both ways, and they, they're that classic young team that when one thing they let just – one bad thing get in the way they let it snowball and keep just sticks in their head and they just don't they haven't figured out just hey next play move on and that's what seems to bite them in the butt because the warriors were up what was it 12 at halftime and the warriors are known for those good third quarter spurts it was the opposite in game five boston came out and it was about what two minutes left in the third and my buddy goes and it was uh it was like it was right after the Celtics tied it at 53-53. And he goes, and I, I wasn't really thinking about it, but he goes, Have the Warriors only scored two points up to this point? And I'm like, 
holy shit, yeah. They've only scored two points. And then and then Poole hits that big shot again. And and then after that, the game just flipped. It just it was it was like the twins game we went to after they had that error in after after, no 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 no. After Polanco shit the bed. Yeah. Put it put it that way. After Polanco shit the bed. And 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 you just took the air out of target field. That just seemed to just amp up the chase center. Yep. And the Warriors almost like coasted. Robert Williams, I think, and Jason Tatum actually played one of his better games. War boss neither team could make a three. This was one of Steph's worst games. Jalen Brown, one of Jalen Brown's worst game, or I shouldn't say one of Steph's worst. Steph didn't play his best. It wasn't, yeah, yeah. I, I'd this, say it wasn't but his in this, best game. In this series, it was his. It, in this series, it was his worst game. Yep, Jalen Brown, like, had the yips when he was dribbling, and and right now I think Robert Williams is the X factor for them, and you can definitely tell there is a the Warriors are intimidated. They don't want to go anywhere near the paint when he is in the game. Well, do if you look at if you look at it right now for me. There's two dark horse MVP candidates for finals MVP on both teams. And there people, no one would have talked about, no one talked about going into the playoffs for the Celtics. It's Robert Williams, because what did we say after game three with him and Al Horford, the Celtics are too big. The Warriors, they don't have a big guy. Draymond's not himself. Sure. Three equals more than two, but when the Celtics are shooting 55% from the field, with these big guys and Robert Williams is changing the game defensively, the Warriors can't handle. They, they the Warriors can't hang. And then for the Warriors, I mean, are we low key looking at Andrew Wiggins if he has another game six like he did in game five, and possibly being getting MVP Finals MVP votes? I mean, because it's crazy. You know, you know, and Van Gundy said this in the telecast on Monday. He goes, you know, the Warriors championship pedigree and experience kind of took over in this game where they, you know, hey, they had that big lead at halftime. Then Boston makes eight straight threes, I think, from the second quarter into the third quarter. And you're like, oh, shoot, Boston's got the lead. The Warriors blew it again. You know, the Celtics are going to go up 3-2 going home. And then the guy with little to no playoff experience, Andrew Wiggins, comes in and takes this game over. And this is when we're sitting back like, this is a player I think people thought he was going to be when he came out of Kansas. And I'm just I'm 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 really just glad for him. Yeah. He's he's got his moment to shine and he did it against that Dallas series. And man, these last two games, he's been just fantastic for the Warriors. So I don't know. I kind of selfishly hope that um maybe the I, I picked again, I picked the Warriors in seven, but I almost hope that they can close it out tomorrow night and Andrew plays a good game so he can get his moment. Um where people are going to be like, hey, you know what, former number one pick, he got out of a bad situation, but now look at him. It's his time to shine, and, you know, he's earned it. Yeah, and and, and back to Robert Williams. He's the only starter that was – he played 30 minutes of the game. They, he was plus 11. He was the only starter that for uh, – when he was on the court, they were positive. He was plus 11. Tatum was minus 13 for the plus minus. This is Al Horford was yep. non-existent. My, Minus 19, Marcus Smart <laughs> minus nine. He great, great job of complaining to the refs. And then that's all, he done, that's all he's done. Yeah. 
and I had him as an X factor. I also had Wiggins as an X factor, and he's proven it. Like he stepped up. Oh, Wiggins has been great. And he, like you said, he was. I thought it was Kansas Andrew Wiggins, and then Jalen Brown was minus nineteen as well. So, Jalen Brown, after the first half of Game Four, has disappeared from this series. He was the Finals MVP. Yeah. Uh, up to halftime at game four, you're like, oh, Jalen Brown, yep, he's he's got this. He's going to prove why he was the number third. He was the third overall pick in the draft. And a lot of people are like, mm, really, Jalen Brown? Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, coming into this year, people are saying they, they, they need to trade him because him and Tatum can't play together. And then he turns it around. But now it's like, where'd he go? He, he's gone. Do we need do we need to call Boston PD <laughs> um, in person's report? Because Jalen Brown is nowhere to be seen. No, and. It's game game six tomorrow. Boston is a four point favorite. So, really, four points. Yep, yep, four point favorite. They are at home. You know that crowd is going to be raucous. And I, the only thing I have in my mind right now is who's going to win the Celtics because there's no other reason why. And I'm not even going to try to disrespect the Boston Bostians. I don't know what they're because you don't like this the Warriors. Well, exactly, but the the Celtics are going to win because the Celtics are the balls, in my my Midwest <laughs> accent, because yeah. I don't want to disrespect Boston. So that I I still think there's I there's no reason the Celtics can't. Like I wouldn't be shocked if the Warriors won tomorrow night. I also wouldn't be the shocked if the Celtics win in seven. That's just the way this series has gone. It's been two teams that just like to give the ball away to the other team, and in oh, the end, if if <laughs> If that's the if that's the story of the game, these next two games, if if it needs to be, if Boston can limit the turnovers and hit well, a few threes at least, they're they're NBA champions. If they if if they if they're not turning the ball over so much, this series is probably over already. Yeah. I mean the other night in the first half, do they have what eleven turnovers and the Warriors had 17 points off those turnovers in the first half? Mm-hmm. You, you can't expect to beat this team when you're just giving possessions away. And you can do it against, night, you can do it against can, the uh, Orlando Magic, but you can't do it in game four or game five of the NBA finals. No, I mean, you know, and you can do that, you know, this year in the conference finals against the Heat. And then um, when you're play, playing the Bucks, but not, not against this team. Though, you know, we always, they always say, you know, history repeats itself. If I'm the Celtics, there's one thing that I'm worried about right now. It's Clay Thompson going into a game six. I don't know yep. if any other force that we've seen in the NBA, like Clay Thompson in game six and any series, it's, it's like, he just, it's almost like Michael Jordan goes into his soul and, and plays that game for Clay. That's, that's like the closest thing I can come up with. I mean, I don't even ever think I saw Kobe like take over a game six or a game seven, like the no. way that clay has it's un- unbelievable for something he it's just he's like you know in 16 against oklahoma oklahoma city in that third quarter i was just like what what, what is this dude doing yeah. and then he was doing it three years ago against the raptors before he tore his acl and then what he did against memphis this year but i like seeing that because i don't like the grizzlies i think they're a bunch of clowns <laughs> um so that that was that was fun to see but clay in game six that that's just very excited to see man i mean that's like it's almost like Tom Brady in the fourth quarter in the Super Bowl. It's like hide your wives, hide your kids, because bad things are about to happen. Yeah. So game six tonight, 
eight eight central seven o'clock mountains celtics minus four or, yeah yeah you're right. i might pull I'll, I'll, i might share my pick later on for uh for the uh for my bets we'll see what happens but we'll keep moving on the u.s open is this week but there's been quite the controversy with this new live tour it's saudi funded they've gotten quite a few guys to switch over bryson DeChambeau. Uh, Greg Norman is leading, is kind of the head commissioner, if you will. Dustin Johnson, Brandy, or not Brandy Chambly, uh, Charles Schwartzel, Lee Westwood, a lot of the older guys. And the Isn't big Phil playing there too. Yep, Phil, Phil. And they're throwing all sorts of money at him. And the, the obvious reason this is a big talking point is because of the Saudis human rights violations if you will if the basically what it is which nobody is going to agree with but it's very i and most of these guys are going to are they're taking it for the money and you can't criticize somebody for taking the money and as far as i'm as far as i've seen i've never seen most of these guys who are in in this league they they don't come out and trash how awful America is and then hush up when it comes to China, because most of the people who are criticizing their move to it are the same people who won't say anything about the NBA's relationship with China, who basically shut up and dribble for China and then go and talk about how awful America is. I I don't have an issue with it. The PGA has banned all the players who are playing in this live tour they aren't able to play in any PGA events. That doesn't exclude the majors, which we'll get into a little bit later. Before, uh, like Grant shares thoughts after, or after Grant shares his thoughts on this. But realistically, if they're still able to play in the majors, it's which is re- probably what all those guys care only care about, anyways. Oh, for sure. It, it it's ba- we basically now have free agency in golf. Well, yeah, and you know, let's be honest, you know, besides the the four majors, and you know, we got the US Open this weekend. Um, we got, you know, the of course the players in Jacksonville is a big one. The uh, waste management in Phoenix. What other tours that aren't majors that are bigger on the PGA that people watch? I mean, is the Memorial a big one? Um, like I said, you know, we got the players there in Jacksonville and then we got the waste management. Um, if it's not a major, are people are casual fans turning out to, to watch golf? And so I think all the PGA is doing by suspending these big names is actually hurting their game just because they're feeling just because their feelings got hurt. And you know, these guys they left the you know, they left the PGA to play for live. But I kind of actually just like the concept of this live, you know, Roman numeral for 54, only 54 holes on a tournament. So you don't have to you know, just abuse your body playing golf, you know, four days in a row and walking, walking, you know, 7,500 yards every day. And then also just how the dress code, it's going to be a little more casual. These guys are able to wear polos. They're going to be able to put, you know, put shorts on. They don't have to have the long pants. And I, I think golf needs this if they want to expand this game across this country. Cause yes, did golf take off in 2020 when everything, you know, was shut down, we couldn't do it. Absolutely. That's when I really got my niche and said, hey, you know what? I think this is something I could, you know, love to do and play for a long time. But it's still too a little high class, still too a little fuddy-duddy for the American people. And if we can, you know, get this, you know, this live golf going where 
you know, they're only playing three, you know, three rounds a weekend. They're playing shorts. It's a little more laxed. And if you can show how these guys can make so much money off this, I mean, Justin John, Dustin Johnson signed like a $125 million four-year deal with this. Straight up too. They straight up. And that's more money than Tiger ever made on the PGA. You know, Tiger made his money, you know, for endorsements, it's Nike and all this other stuff. But if you can pay these guys and they can go out there and they can have a little more fun and they can play in courses across the world, not just the best ones in the United States, let's promote this game. Let's 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 get it out there and let's let's have some fun with it. I, I have no issue with these guys, you know, going to get the bag. I mean, it's no. We, we live in a capitalistic society. If you can go out and get money, go out and get money. I'm not going to stop you from doing it. No, exactly. And, and the only time I'd have an issue with it is if they continually will trash the country they live in and then go out and take, take basically money, blood money. Yeah. yeah. Blood money. And, yeah, exactly. And it, and I, I'm, I probably am not going to watch a whole lot of the live tour either because they don't, they're going to have a heck of a tough time getting a TV deal. Yeah. And so it's going to be hard to see. It'll be interesting to see, but I mean, these Saudi guys have enough money, more money than anybody in the world 12 times over. So, and and as far as the, I think if, if the PGA really wanted to take a stand, they need to go and, work with the majors because I don't think a lot of people know this, that the majors are actually operate basically as like a private entity of sorts where it's separate from the PGA. It's a sponsored by the PGA, but the majors do their own thing. And if you read the, the U S open letter about the live tour is they're letting them play in the 2022 U S open and very specifically 2022 u.s open so it's definitely gonna this isn't gonna be the last we're gonna hear about what's gonna happen so want to stay tuned for that because i my gut says that once the final mate the british open is played because that's the last major of the year right correct yep because they had the uh they already had the pga yep they're in oklahoma and i think i think the british open is gonna allow those guys to play as well so i think Yeah, absolutely. And because that, I mean, realistically, I don't think the live tour is going to get a lot of viewers. I think that you're, you're going to get a few of your diehards, but for the most part, you're not going to get a lot because most of the big names are still playing on the PGA tour. I think a lot of people will just check it out a quick glance. Cause I think it's right now it's only streamed on YouTube and the live website. Maybe I'm, I'm not positive, but you, there's going to be a meeting between the four majors and the PGA where they're going to say, well, if you're part of this, you, you're not able to play the majors. If that changes the minds of some of these guys, we'll see what happens. But even then, like, yeah, it's awesome watching Phil Bryson, Charles Schwartzel, all those Johnson. guys. Yep. Dustin Johnson. It's good watching them play the made those majors, but it's also cool to see, you know, those random guys that are in the hunt on that last day, Scotty Scheffler, mm-hmm. uh, Will Zalatoris, those types of guys playing and in contention, watching them get that first major, which is, is a special moment to see just to watch those guys take everything in and see that. So if that allows 
another guy to come through, get in a major, win a major, so be it. So that might be the greatest thing. That might be the greatest thing for the PGA that they don't even know yet. Yep. You know, it could be, you know, one of those situations where um, it looked, it looked dim and it didn't look promising, but you know, good things happened because they waited and they just, you know, they played it out and they let some of the, you know, some popular names go right now, but then they let these new young horses come in and start, um, you know, a new following. Uh, you know, for golf again, we're never going to have a Tiger Woods again, but you could have you know a couple of guys who are kind of like a young Phil, where we can watch for the next twenty years. Well, and I'm glad you said that though too. You brought up Tiger's name because Tiger, I heard today it was north of seven hundred and fifty million to join the Live Tour, but he said he is loyal, and that's the one thing the PGA has backing them is they have guys probably the two biggest names in golf, I would say, between Tiger and Rory backing that they're going to stay with the PGA. So we'll see what happens. And I think at some point too, the PGA, if the lives is still struggling to get guys at some point for as much money they're throwing it, the Saudis are going to look and realize that, well, we're not making a big ROI on it. So we'll see what happens, but we'll, we'll stay in the controversial lane and, Deshaun Watson today, it was announced as we record this, he had two more women that I don't believe they have filed formally filed lawsuits yet, but accuse him of sexual assault. That's 26 now that he is up to. And Grant, this might be the most Browns thing ever to fully guarantee a contract to a player who might not ever play for them. Oh, I know this is, this is just such a, such a tough and awkward and, awful situation for everyone involved i mean you know at this point you know you know football is an afterthought we're not thinking about the five was it the five year 200 and what was it 230 million dollars yeah 230 million dollars guaranteed because it's like 26 you know claims of um you know sexual assault you know coming out your way that's just you know it's awful to say but it's one of those things where, you know, in America with the justice system, you know, you're innocent until proven guilty. Um, so I don't want to sit back and, you know, Pitchfork Nation come out and destroy Deshaun's personality because, you know, he has a right to defend himself. Uh, you know, but then, you know, these women, they, they also have the right to say if something bad happened to them to say, hey, get this, get this guy away from me. So it's, it's just an awful, weird situation, you know, to be in you know, right now, but then also if we think about it, I'm going to put some of this blame on the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans made the situation worse because they did nothing with Deshaun last year. Had they came out and they said that we were going to play him. No, he's our starting quarterback. Um, You know, we believe his innocence until he's proven guilty in this country. Then the NFL would have had to make a decision by now and the Browns wouldn't be put in this spot, but this is it's just kind of a tough situation um, because we don't know any of the facts and we might not know any of the facts for a long time. Um, so, yeah, like I said, this could be the most Browns thing to ever do. But then, you know, if we go back to the football side of it, let's not forget how good this Browns roster is. And they, they were truly a quarterback away from probably being a playoff team last year. So 
And then let's also not forget how good Deshaun was in 2020, the last time we saw him play football. The dude went absolutely berserk with Brandon Cooks. Yes, Brandon Cooks as your number one wide receiver option. You know, he threw for over 4,700 yards. I think he had 40-plus touchdowns. Um, but you know, that, that should be the last thing on our mind right now, because, you know, he's, he's got to clear himself and, uh, we got to get this figured out before I think he should be allowed to play a football game. Yeah. And, and, and the NFL is putting a tough spot too, because Goodell does not have a good history with player discipline because he hasn't been charged with anything. We, it's important. We point that out. He mm-hmm. has not been charged with anything, but he's has 24, probably by the end of the week, 26 civil cases against him and yep. it's just a it's just a bad look you just get a bad feeling in your taste, a bad like, taste in your mouth yeah exactly and it's i you don't want it you, you don't want to speculate but obviously something happened if you have that many women filing well, and- lawsuits against you and it, we're, we're never going to know the truth because it, it, in a court of law, it is such, and especially in those types of cases, it is such he said, she said thing where there's really no way unless there was a camera involved, which there's not yep. as far as we well, know. But it's still, it's, it, it's a bad look on Deshaun. It's a bad look on the Browns. It's a bad look on the Texans. It's a bad look on the NFL. And, yeah. you, and, you, and you're, you're put in a tough spot because – if you suspend him, he can appeal and say, I haven't been charged with anything le- criminally. I, so I, I have no, I have no wrongdoing because, yep. you know, in the court of law, they haven't figured out that I broke the law um, and, you know, violated anyone's, you know, human rights. But again, but then again, you know, I, I stand by this, you know, stance here, innocent until proven guilty. Yep. It's, it's the way this country, you know, operates. But then you look at it like this, this isn't, one or two or three or four allegations coming your way. It's 24, potentially 26. With 66 different women. With 66 different different massage therapists. And you just have to sit back and think this, where there's a, where there's smoke, there's gotta be some fire with that. With that just sheer number. But again, we don't know what he did. Did he just, you know, pull a, pull the, pull a towel up and say, Hey, you know, Hey, look at this. Or did, did something else happen? We, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what he did, if how grotesque it was, or if he didn't do anything at all. It's just, it's, it's hard to even comment on something like this because we have no facts. And if we have no facts, you know, we can't come to a clear conclusion with this, but I just, I really hope it this, this gets figured out sooner rather than later. Yeah. Just, just for everyone's sake, for, you know, not only for the NFL and the Browns and Deshaun, but also for for the women across this country who are, are putting their name out there with these allegations, you know, for Deshaun, whether it's, you know, in his home state of Georgia, in Texas, you know, maybe if he went South Carolina back to Clemson, just so that so, you know, these women, they, they can move on with their lives as, as well. Yeah, indeed. And it's one of those things, too, is, is it's important we should not be commenting jumping in this social media era where it's reacting emotionally and tweeting your things out right that as soon as stuff comes out it's important to wait for all the facts to come out so that's all we're going to comment on that so development we will certainly be keeping an eye on as the nfl season approaches which is getting closer Mm -hmm. 
But that's how we'll end that part of the show, and we'll let Grant take it away for Curveball of the Week. So, yeah, we were talking about, um, you know, the U.S. Open this weekend. It looks, again, just an absolutely beautiful course just outside of Boston. And the U.S. Open is known for having some of the thickest rough on any golf course. If you put it in the rough, you, you probably can't see your ball, and you're, you're laying up for sure because you just you have no shot there. So with that rough being so high and almost unfair, it got me thinking, what are some rules in sports that are just like straight up unfair to people participating in or rules that are just so outlandish that we can't stand them? And it almost takes some of the fun away from the game with uh, that. Well, and NFL taunting rules this year for one. Well, and it's funny you mentioned that because I the taunting rule I had in mind was actually in college football. And, um, you know, the big one this year was when Iowa State was playing Oklahoma State. And I th- um, an Iowa State wide receiver, he starts, you know, kind of high-stepping at the five-yard line. He's going in for a touchdown. They're playing a top-five team. It's at home. Jack Trice is about to, you know, blow, blow the proverbial door off, doors off that building, and they call him back for taunting. And Matt Campbell's losing his mind. And it's just, for me, it's like sports are such an emotional game. Let these athletes go out and have a good time. You know, if they want to celebrate in the end zone, just let them go out and let them, um, you know, let, let them have a good time. So I, I just, I just don't think that's fair. I think we need to let these guys go out there and have fun. So that's just always kind of one rule. That's always kind of ups, upsets me and puts people in a bad spot. Yeah. That, and then I, the, 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 at some point there is drawing a line, but if, if a guy is high stepping into the end zone, there, there's no harm, no foul there. He's not like cocking off. You know, I've, I've seen times where guys will like be waving, you know, the Tyreek Hill there. You could, you could make an argument there because I, that is somewhat taunting and that's a little bit of a cockiness thing, but I, if guys are celebrating with their team, and they get flagged for taunting, or I, I actually just saw this on my Twitter page, like right before we started recording, it was in 2019, it was Michigan, Michigan State, and uh, who was it, uh, Tariq Black went up for a catch, nice fade route, jump ball, went up and got it, gets up, and he flexes. And there's mm-hmm. no Michigan State player around. He was, like, looking at the crowd. There was a, one of his teammates. I think Peoples-Jones was right in front of him. He flexes on him, and then the ref throws the flag. Yeah, yeah. It's like, come on, guys. It's it's, emo- it's an emotional ass game. Let these go out and play. You know, look how excited we get if we're playing basketball at your local L.A. Fitness or the local, the local golf course. And, you know, we have a great – let's say we have a great drive, and, you know, we're 120 out, and we put it within five feet of the pin. We get excited. I know this this past weekend, I was fist pumping our partners. I probably smacked you on the ass, and I I pulled out a Tom Brady. Let's fucking go! <laughs> uh, you you're in front of 80,000 people at a rival stadium. Um, you know, each this whole week, Coach Harbaugh has told you, "Hey, this is for the state championship. This is our team. You know, it's it's a trophy game. What a little flex isn't going to hurt anyone's feelings. Come on now. Well, that one was in the big house, but. It, it's also that, another good good conversation for this is 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 the the unwritten rules. Of oh sports. yeah, dumb. Like oh, just get out of here. Like 
like the base the biggest one for me is these old grungy grumpy old baseball guys you know you know no bat flips or you know someone hits our player you know we got to throw at someone at them no stop these unwritten rules are stupid they worked you know in the 50s when there was no excitement to the game and you had to have people watch um let's just move on from that bullshit no and if you don't it is a very easy solution if you don't want somebody pimping a home run don't throw a shitty ass pitch don't throw don't don't throw a hanger down the middle of the plate and let Batista send it send it to Ottawa. <laughs> it's just, don't, don't let him that do might, it. That might have landed. That might still be going in the Pacific Ocean. That was for as far that, as that went. It might oh have my. circled around Japan and in, rolling in Russia right now. That was by far the greatest bat flip of all time. And I, you know, the one thing I wish we'd embrace more on these celebrations and rules that are no fun is how how much fun these guys have in college baseball when yes. their teammates a home run everyone's out of the dugout um you're waiting for the guy to hit home plate come around jump up in the air and celebrate we need we need more of that yeah it w- which college baseball world series is starting this weekend i believe this this so, friday this friday which is one of one of the best events throughout the summer especially it's a nice it keeps things going i like that they moved it back to where it's after father's day where it gives you something to look forward to after the nba finals ends and little it, it'll compete a little bit with hockey right now the avs and lightning playing but the the college baseball world series is just you something you when it comes on it's that time of year you you have to watch it and and the way these guys have like you said grant the way these college athletes have really just fully embraced the tripping, the the team, and playing like Tennessee, they they were cocky as hell as, as they should have been because as good as they were, they ended up losing. It makes when they're when they lose so much better, and it makes when they win because they know everybody is cheering against them. Yes, and and then they can hold up the double middle fingers like they're. The, the one guy who hit the walk-off uh, did and say, yeah, we're winning. We're better than you, and we know it. And we, and we know it. Yeah, exactly. And then even just some of the uh, um, traditions that these fan bases are going to bring to Omaha. Two things on that. Um, you know, Texas A&M, whenever they, uh, you know, there's a game, um, you know, college college station there. And, or is College Station? Or college, I think it's College Station, it's right? College Station, yep. yep. Yeah, college Station. You know, four pitch walk, the whole crowd without skipping a beat, they just go ball five, ball yeah. five. Oh, that's so good. I love pitch. that. And it can it can rattle such a pitcher, and they don't say anything. And then you know what? If he throws another ball, ball six, ball six, ball six. I heard this year they once got a pitcher for I think it was the Gophers through eleven straight balls. That's like walking the bases loaded. Oh my God! Yeah, he finally got a strike on on the twelfth pitch and. I just, you know, I'm excited for that to happen and everything else these these fans are going to bring to Omaha. And also, you know how great this event is when you can um, just name it by one word. You, we're going to one city. Yep. You know, we're going to Omaha. It's it's like, you know, you just, everybody just knows, you know, what that city in Nebraska in the middle of this country means for these these college baseball fans. And it's one of the best events that, 
I like watching in the sport. I mean, ever since I was eight years old, I can remember, you know, watching this all the time and finding that one team I wanted to win every single year when this tournament started. So I'm excited on Friday for this to get started and find out what team I'm going to root for. And, and also gave us one of the best video games of our childhood too. And yeah, MVP, we did NCAA baseball. They need to bring that game back. They do. They do. And it also shows how great of an event it is when Hawkeye over here has to say something nice about Nebraska. And that's where we're going to end it with Hawkeye saying nice things about Nebraska. Make sure you follow us on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. Check out our Facebook page, YouTube, Three Guys Talking Ball podcast. That'll put a wrap on it for this week. We'll talk to you next week. Welcome back. Make sure you tune into next week's episode where Ethan rejoins us and we discuss the NBA Finals and the newly crowned NBA champion, the College World Series, the Twins, and whatever else we decide to talk about. Check us out on all of our social media platforms where we will be posting other content. Check out the Three Guys Talking Ball Facebook page. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at 3GTB Podcast, where we will also be posting short clips of the show and other content. You can also check out our Three Guys Talking Ball YouTube page where we'll be posting the full podcast if you want to see the video version. That puts a wrap on this week's episode of the Three Guys Talking Ball podcast. We'll talk to you next week.